Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Saturday. It is Saturday. Let's that coffee. Yep. Hey, I went to the Texas State Fair yesterday. Oh, and how was it? What did you ride? <laughs> what kind of food did you have? It, it was, it was everything. <laughs> so everything? What did you eat? I, uh, did you put it on Instagram? Can we go look at it right now? Right now you can see that I Instagrammed a picture <laughs> at some point. Why are you wearing that on your head? Of something. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, no. It, this, Why are you climbing on big text? The Texas State Fair is going on right now. That, I'd be in jail if that was the case. But I don't know if you have been to a state fair, but the, the Texas State Fair is a, kind of a big deal. It used to be cooler because they would play the Cotton Bowl or they had the, the big Texas OU game, Texas oh. U- University of Texas, and then Oklahoma University. Oh. They would they It used to be called the Red River Shootout, but you know, early wokeness came in and said, well, we can't say shootout. So then now it's the red river rivalry, which is impossible to say red river. (laughs) See red river rivalry, red river rivalry. Say it 10 times fast. Yeah, you can't ready. Go, go, go. But, uh, and now that's played over at Jerry world in the the cowboy stadium. But, uh, yeah, it used to be this fun kind of cool. You'd go down there, the football game would be going on, but it's still fun. There's everything fried that you can imagine. And so like fried cookie dough, fried Oreos. Mm, I'm doing it all. I remember last time I was at the state fair of Texas, I got fried Coke. I was like, how do you fry Coke? How do you do that? Well, you just put the Coke in a batter. Yeah. You put it in the batter. And so basically you're just eating fry bread that tastes like Coke. Okay. But, uh, I think I'm okay with that. Deep fried Oreos. Amazing. All day, man. Yeah. Yeah, one of my students made that for me a long time ago. My life was changed. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. And then the other thing, people get turkey legs there, like these gigantic, like size of your forearm turkey legs, yeah. just carrying those things around. Eh. Corn dogs, Fletcher's corn dogs are a big deal down there. That's like the official state fair corn dog. Oh. Um, there's exhibits that down there they'll do like like I remember going and watching tiger shows and the outdoor cages that they've got out there. Cool. And yeah, there's exhibit halls. You can go see all the the FFA Future Farmers of America like big gigantic cows and pumpkins and stuff like that. Pastor Hayden knows all about that. He does. He does. He, he was He put that on our radar. Yep. Yep. In California. FFA. Yeah. Yeah, I was never tempted to be in a Future Farmer of America. But <laughs> I been I'm thankful for our farmers. I respect our farmers. I, I really appreciate our farmers when they're not driving their tractors on Preston Road. <laughs> That's when I most love them. <laughs> I get it. I know where we're at. I know where we live. But man, that slowdown was just kind of like, okay. You're tailgating the, the tractor. He's like, don't California my Texas. <laughs> I, was, I, I, went, I went around him after I figured out what was happening. But yeah. Man. But it was a cool tractor. The thing was massive. Yeah. And I, I want to see them like, a, I don't know what, I don't know what they're growing in our fields next to our place, but there's a, I know for, for sure one of them is corn to see the tractor drive through and harvest all that yeah. corn was, that was really cool. I it stopped and really I watched cool. it for, for, for a minute or two. Yeah. I always think about how much corn there is around here and then what it was like before they had the, the advent of the technology on the tractors that oh, could dude. pick them. Dude. Just how backbreaking and oh, yeah. like heat exhausting. Hot. Totally. Yeah. It's not hot though. Let's, I mean, speaking right of that, now, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's great. It's great. We had a storm a couple of days ago. Yeah. That was fun. Did you yeah, lose power? Like, you no. didn't because I didn't. No, not because of that though. 
Oh. I Well, so uh, we are present tense in the process of installing solar. And uh, this is a multiple day pastor rod is green. Well, and I, I, I just bought my first pair of Birkenstocks. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just kidding. I, I would never wear those. I guess never say never. But I don't foresee wearing those anytime in the near future. <laughs> but we're in the process of getting solar. Because I, I, we, we, we had several times where we lost power. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, so we don't have batteries yet. But I would hope in the near-ish future to get some batteries installed in the garage. So that if and when we do lose power, we're ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, we. I think we've both been listening to that biography on Elon Musk, and they were talking about the Tesla roof thing. And I was just listening to that section recently, where yeah, he asked a guy, "How many roofs have you put on?" And he's like, "I don't know. I've been doing this for like fifty years. How many solar roofs have you put on?" He's like, "Well, none." He's like, well, "Why does it take so long?" And the guy's like, "Well, because there's all these wires. <laughs> You've got to connect all these panels together." Right. Yeah, Elon was not happy about that. Yeah, but he might. Well, I don't know. He might have given up on the solar. The solar side they still have uh, a solar arm yeah although it is arguably not it's not the focus i mean you see and, and then the biography like he's all over the place right so marquez did tesla's solar roof yeah marquez brownlee which yeah. we're, we're both fans of and if you're a tech person you know who he is too but yeah, yeah he, he's the one who who got me like oh that's kind of cool yeah he got me excited about it yeah well hey uh you know what else is exciting when god comes and shows up when somebody threatens him and 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 kind of bows up against him and that's what happens in our reading today so Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 37. Let's do it. Yeah. Isaiah 37, we left off with uh, the Rabshakeh saying to God, hey, who do you think you are that you're going to deliver this people and, and talking to the people of Israel saying, hey, don't let Hezekiah pull the wool over your eyes and say that God's going to deliver you. Well, um, there's one problem with that, and that is that, that God can and God does. And, uh, and that's chapter 37. Um, Hezekiah tears his clothes and covers himself with sackcloth and goes into the house of the Lord. And, and this is the appropriate... Uh, uh, Think of how many times in Isaiah we've been talking about Israel was called to trust the Lord. Judah was called to trust the Lord, trust the Lord, trust the Lord, trust the Lord, not the nations turn to the Lord. And here you have their leader doing that. And maybe we could argue, yeah, it, it took you long enough, Hezekiah, to get there, but he goes into the temple and he he lays out before the Lord and says, Lord, we, we need you to, uh, to respond. Um, and uh, the Rabshakeh still comes back and, and keeps his taunt going over and over and over again. And, and Hezekiah goes in and says, okay, God, now's the time we need you. If you don't act, we're, we're undone. We've got nothing left. And, uh, he prays that, that God would avenge himself, uh, that the nations would know that he is the only God in all of the earth worth trusting and worthy of confidence. And then Isaiah comes and, uh, and, and gives this word, um, to Hezekiah about what God was going to do. And it was a message specifically for Sennacherib and Assyria. Uh, that was not, uh, an encouraging message for Assyria. <laughs> not at all. Nope. Yeah. Not even a little. Yeah. So r- really quickly here, can, can you help? Okay. This seems like, okay, why is this here? First of all, this is repetition. Uh, obviously this, uh, this has been recorded elsewhere. So why would Isaiah take time out of his prophetic schedule to say, Oh, let me remind you about this section of scripture, which we already have. It's, it's a, a, and most of it, I was looking through second Kings as I was reading through this thinking, okay, this is mostly word for word. There's a few times where he deviates here and there, but by and large, this is a copy and paste in the days before copy and paste was as easy as it is today. So functionally, what should we understand this interlude to do? It, I think first it, it, sets a time referent for Isaiah, as we talked about in the last episode, you know, they're not super 
you know, concerned with date and, and time. They're not doing star date, you know, 2023, you know, September, whatever. Right. So this helps us date what's going on. And I think there was an element of that. Uh, we've talked about before on the podcast though, as well, that, that God repeats the things he wants us to pay attention to. And so I think there's an element there as well, that this is a theme that is worth repeating that, that this concept that God is worthy of our trust and our confidence is, is an evergreen subject, no matter what the, the situation is. I think the other element too, is Isaiah was writing to a specific group with a specific purpose at a specific time. And so it, this fit the, the bill for him and in the message that he was delivering to Judah to remind Judah again in the course of his prophetic ministry. This is why I'm calling you to trust the Lord and not trust the nations. Remember, this is what what's happened. This is what's going on again. So uh, off the top of my head, I'd say those are, are a few reasons why. That's helpful. And, and I would I would also echo only one more slight elaboration on what you were saying, Pastor Pigeon, is that there's no formation without repetition. God repeats a lot of, I mean, just think about how much we, we read the Bible over and over every year. And there's still times when we say, oh, look at that. Yeah. That's new. That's different. That hits me differently. I, I Obviously, the Bible's not different. I'm different. Um, I would not begrudge this. In fact, even as I read through this, PPJ, we, we did, we've done a podcast on this now, and I kind of forgot about it. <laughs> oh, it's a good idea. Good. It's your favorite episode. I, I, need to be rem- I need to be reminded. This is why we need to be in our Bibles all the time. We can never, ever plumb the depths of all that scripture has to say, even when it's reiterated in the same Bible in a separate section. So don't begrudge this. Enjoy it. See the value that it brings to the table and, and try to figure out the best you can how Isaiah intends for you to understand this in light of the surrounding content. Chapter 40, when we, we start a new section in a couple chapters, this is the last thing that kind of caps the first 39 chapters of Isaiah's work. Yeah. Uh, and some people say that Isaiah is kind of like a, a miniature gospel or a miniature Bible because you have the first 39 books which talk about the judgment of the nations and the judgment of Jerusalem. Uh, 40 to, what is it, 55? Um, 60? 66. Six. Yeah, that's right. Because there's 66 books in the Bible. That's right. Uh, so 40 to 66 is like the New Testament. You have you have uh, information about Jesus, even though it's veiled and not entirely clear. Uh, but if you can just put your mind in the shoes, or not your mind. No, put your mind in the shoes. Put your mind in the shoes. Put your feet in the shoes in the sandals of Isaiah's audience. And I think you'll be able to figure out with some, some degree of accuracy what he's trying to get about with this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, the, the rest of chapter 37 really is almost the, the anti Psalm 139, uh, for, for the nations in the sense that it stresses like Psalm 139 does the, the sovereignty and the intimacy of God's knowledge, but this time not for his people, but for his enemies and, uh, in the judgment that follows. And we see things like verse 26 and, and uh, following where he says, have you not heard that I determined it long ago? I planned what I now bring to pass that you should make fortified cities crash into heaps of ruins. So he's confronting their arrogance saying you're only doing these things because I'm you're my as he would call Cyrus and uh, Nebuchadnezzar his servant right and that's somewhat what he's saying here to Sennacherib you're only doing what I set you in place to do and then verse 28 and 29, the, this knowledge, the, the intimacy of the knowledge here, I know you're sitting down, you're going out, you're coming in, you're raging against me. I will put a hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth and I will turn you back on the way you came. Um, man, I, I, I thought about what it must have been like to hear those words for Hezekiah and Judah. And then if you're Sennacherib in Assyria, I mean, the, the opposite responses that those words would bring. One you know, joy and celebration and going, all right, God's, God's got this, right? He's coming to our age. Right. And then on the other hand, you know, if you b- believe it, fear and trembling and trepidation there. Which I have every reason to suspect he did not. I mean, with their boasting right. and with their arrogance toward Hezekiah and the Lord, 
I mean, you're cheering for God to do something about it, and he does, of course. Right. I think one thing that I come, I come away with constantly with texts like this is like, okay, even the, the unjust and evil leaders that I despise, whose policies I despise is better said, those are God's servants. Yep. And they're either his servants one way or another of his righteousness, and they're going to glorify him, but they're also servants of his judgment. Yeah. Because eventually they're going to come back, and not the Assyrians, of course, but eventually they're going to come back and they're going to do what God intends for them to do right. as, as a means of judgment. Right. And that's both scary and comforting. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, in the meantime, a remnant he talks about in verse 32 that's going to go out of Jerusalem, out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The zeal for what? Well, for his own glory. He's accomplishing his glory and he's delivering his people as a result of um, his faithfulness ultimately to his name. Now, they benefit from that as well, but the, the zeal of the Lord of hosts is going to do this uh, in response to the, the objection in the uh, mockery of the enemy. The rest of the story, as we've talked about before, the angel of the Lord goes out, strikes down 185,000 of them. 85,000. It's insane. That number of dead. It's a lot of people, man. That is a lot of people. They came to fight. Yeah. Yeah. Sennacherib uh, departs and goes home and things don't go well for Sennacherib as he's ultimately executed and uh, assassinated yeah, by his own sons. After this, Hezekiah says in those days becomes sick, chapter 38, and weak to the point of death. Um, <laughs> the, Isaiah comes to him and says, hey, uh, I got a message from you from God. You're going to die. This is not going to go well for you. I kind of would appreciate that. I'd like to know when I'm going to die. Would you? I wouldn't mind. I don't know if I would. He says, set your house in order. That's exactly what I would do. Great. Thank you. Now I'm going to make sure that I'm ready to go. Right. This is one of those questions though, right? I wonder how many of our people listening, would you rather know when you're going to die or not know when you're going to die? I mean, I don't want, I don't want an on-ramp that far away, but I, I sense that this is within the season. So maybe a month, a couple of weeks at most. So I would want to, I don't want a couple of weeks. That would give me time to wrap things up to say my goodbyes. I, I'd like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I Hezekiah is not ready to go. And so yeah. he, uh, he prays and pleads and begs um and god responds with an interesting response hey look, i'm going to give you 15 more years uh and uh and th- that's what he does he gives him 15 years he delivers him from the king of assyria um and it leads to this poem that uh hezekiah writes towards the end after he recovers from his sickness um and uh and just praises god for his his grace in that uh, that sparing of his life there it's kind of an interesting uh, interesting scene here. I mean, we talked about why repeat, you know, everything with uh, Sennacherib. This is an interesting one to throw in there as well. Mm, indeed. And I, I, okay, this is in the next chapter. Yeah. This is an interesting interlude. Yeah. I, well, I appreciate it. tomorrow, dude. That's I'm you getting talking about chapter 40 already. I'm chapter mad. 39. I, well, I'm just kind of trying to put it all together. Context. <sighs> hey, the chapter divisions are not of God. They're not of God. That's true. They're also not of you. Okay. Not. <laughs> or me. Hey, <laughs> verse 18 is interesting though. We've talked about this concept before in the Psalms. Shield does not thank you. Death does not praise you. Those who go down to the pit do not hope for your faithfulness. I, I was struck just by the difference in the view of death in the eternal state that Old Testament Israel had versus us. We think about death as we're going to worship God unhindered from sin. Right. We, to be absent from the body to be, is to be present with the Lord. Um, I, I think they had a, a an a malformed or unformed uh incomplete view, yeah incomplete view of the afterlife at least yeah because th- th- that's not true I, I believe that the old testament saints were with the lord just as we are going to be with the lord and uh, there, there's not a a separation or ho- holding tank where they're just you know 
in a, a middle ground here where they're just dead and, and waiting. I, I have every reason reason to, to believe that they're with the Lord just as we will be with the Lord. And so it's just a, it's a truncated uh, view of the the afterlife that they have to say, well, if I'm dead, I'm not going to be doing you any good dead. So thank you for keeping me alive because now I can worship you. That's interesting. So would you say then that verse 18 is, we didn't say it's wrong out, outright. It, we, we use the word incomplete, used the word truncated. Um, biblically speaking, we, every word is from the mouth of God. It's breathed out by the spirit. How does that function? How does scriptural infallibility function with verse 18? Yeah, it is it is from the, the mouth of God. However, scripture also records things that are inspired that aren't necessarily in the moment, the, the full picture, right? And that's the idea of progressive revelation. And so uh, for Hezekiah, the re- amount of revelation that he had to this point, it seems would lead him to conclude, okay, there's this shield. And that, that was the Old Testament concept, the grave. David says, I will go to the grave, right? I can't bring my son back to me, but I will go to the grave someday as well. It was this kind of quote unquote, for lack of a better term, holding tank. And and we, we stand on the benefit of, of the back end of 66 books and we have the full picture of scripture in view right. to where we can understand what the New Testament says about the eternal state. But if we look through the Old Testament, it, it's it's difficult because there's there's glimpses like Psalm 1611, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an expectation of deliverance when even uh, Elijah walked with the Lord and, you know, or Enoch walked with the Lord and he was not anymore. There's a concept of going and, and, and going to be with the Lord. And yet I, I think there was a, a, an incomplete ability to fully wrap their minds around that. And that doesn't go to an error as much as it's, this is not the full revelation that you and I have today. There's also something to be said too about, I mean, granted uh, Hezekiah is presented as a positive character. He's not, he's not someone that you would say, Oh, he's not like a, evil Merodach. He's not, right. he's not Sennacherib where you would be so slow to trust any of his words. But I think in the same sense, you could also say God's describing or Isaiah's describing here what he said, right or wrong or otherwise right. incomplete. This is not necessarily God saying, I inspired this poem for Hezekiah to sing to me. Right. This is Hezekiah giving thanks to God. Right. And what he says is accurate in what it represents. It's inspired of God in that it's preserved to be an accurate and truthful retelling of what took place, but not necessarily an endorsement of all that he said. Right. Similar to when the Rabshakeh comes and says, you trust in your God. Your God was the one who brought me here. Right. And he brought me here to, well, he's implying that God brought Assyria to get the glory over Israel and to be, well, we would say that's inerrant and inspired from God as Sennacherib or, or the Rabshakeh was saying those things, but it doesn't mean that those things were right, right. that he was saying there. Yeah. I yeah. hope you guys appreciated that short little summary survey. The particle no, uh, Yeah. And that's part of what we're here to do. That's part of the, the purpose of the podcast that's is right. not just to be running commentary, but to talk through other things like and that. that come implications. Up. Yeah. Philippians three, Philippians three, the apostle Paul, uh, he's talking about what matters and the, he had said in chapter one, verse 21, for me to live is Christ. And I think in chapter three, we get a picture of what that means. Um, what does that look like? How do I put that into practice to live is Christ? And he gives all of the things that at the time he'd be tempted to boast in. And this is a, an impressive laundry list. His resume there, when he talks about being a Hebrew of Hebrews and of the tribe of Benjamin, and you know he's a Pharisee, uh, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, we look at that and we think that's a bad thing, but he's appealing to that positively saying, my zeal for God was such that I looked at the church as a threat and I was, I was out there persecuting. He's going to neutralize that threat. Exactly. So he's boasting in all of the, the things that he had done for God or that had been part of his, his earthly resume. Right. He says, and it's all garbage in light of Christ. I want Jesus. Jesus is what I want. And so I've, I've surrendered it all. Indeed, I have counted it all loss for the sake of knowing Christ. 
And then he says, and, and here I am now. What am I doing now? Well, I'm, I'm still pressing on. I haven't arrived yet. I'm not there yet, but I'm going to keep pressing on so that I can continue to grow, continue to progress in my Christ likeness, in my knowledge of him until I get to go and be with him. Verse eight, uh, some people have commented that the word for rubbish, scubalon, uh, is also something of a cuss word. And Paul was using some coarse language when he used this word because it does refer to dung or refuse. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a, what do you call it? It's a word that only appears once in the scriptures. Was Paul, in fact, using coarse language? Was he cussing? And is that justification for Christians to cuss? No. And the reason why is when we go to another passage like Ephesians, when Paul says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, let no coarse jesting or filthiness, um, it, it would be inconsistent for Paul then to go back on that here and, and to insert that word here. So let me give you a, an example. It's not a perfect correlation, but sometimes we will, in fact, I, I think I did this the other day on the podcast, you use the word damned, right? That someone can be, or something can be damned in the sense that it is cursed from God. It is destined for hell and, and there's eternal damnation. That word, same word can be used as a cuss word. And that same word can be used in the context of being a swear word that is, that is corrupting talk. Right. Um, it's down to the context and the the tone and the heart behind it as it's it's spoken, as it's uttered by the one that's doing the speaking. And so I think that would be a similar concept to what we find here. Uh, this word, yes, could be used as a, a, a profanity, um, but that was not 100% of its usage. And I don't think Paul was intending to swear or to be profane in his use of it here. Right. And it's, it would be utterly inconsistent with the entirety of scripture. Right. Not just with Paul. Paul, right. obviously, but the entirety of scripture doesn't give us any room to coarsely jest to make jokes that are on the edge or or uh, in any way uh what's the word here um in any way that would be worldly yeah. se- secular paul's yeah. not doing that paul is trying to make the point though as we already elucidated that he means us so much that he's willing to use a strong word but yeah. not a bad word right yeah let it not even be named among christians right right when he talks about those things yeah. no vulgarity yeah that kind of thing yeah in the meantime what are we doing right now and what are we doing as a church right well paul gives us that answer in verse 20 our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior the lord jesus christ that's what we're doing right now church and uh, and we have a mission on that front and that is a mission to go out and make disciples to go out and see people come to know jesus we're going to talk about that tomorrow morning at compass bible church and so we hope that you're going to join us tomorrow morning and uh, we're going to be talking about the importance of going out and making disciples and seeing lost souls come to faith in Christ. That's right. So join us again for another episode tomorrow of the Daily Bible Podcast and at church. See you then. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thank you.